Good morning, Willow Park Church. Thank you so much for joining this morning. Uh, my name is Jordan Pilgrim, and I'm one of the pastors here. I'm so excited that we can be here, and I'm grateful that we have this ability to meet online as we do. It has been, a, it has been an interesting week, to say the least, and uh, as we know, the, the news has come down that we um, essentially need to wait a bit longer, and um, and we need to continue to wait as the mask mandate has come back and we are in a place where it's a bit different, a bit difficult. But I want to encourage us today uh, as we go through this service, as we take this hour, an hour and a bit to, to be with Jesus, I just want to encourage you to stop and to be in God's presence and to allow God's presence to dictate how you respond in the waiting. Because all of us are waiting, all of us have to be patient, but it's how well you are patient or how well you wait. So as we worship today, think on that. How well can I wait? How well can I be plugged into the, to the tree of life? How well can I be plugged into you, Jesus? And what, the more that I'm plugged into Jesus, the better I will be at waiting. So let's pray and head over to worship. Father, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for this time. Thank you that we can be here worshiping you. Thank you that we can be at our homes. Thank you we can be at the building. Thank you we can be wherever and your presence walks with us. And so as we worship today, we give this time to you in your name. Amen. Hello and welcome to Church Online. So happy to be here with my fellow worship leader, Sarah, and with all of you gathered here online and uh, joined by the Holy Spirit. We're just so pleased to, to worship with you. And a uh, special shout out, I'm the senior adult pastor at Willow Park, so a special shout out to all my fellow seniors there. And I thought we'd start with a, a classic from uh, our hymn sings. And uh, Heavenly Father, I thank you that we can join together like this. I thank you for the creativity you put in our hearts, that you inspire the hearts of men and women to, to write songs like this. And the voices you give us to lift to you. We thank you for this time. We ask that you bless it and bless this service in Jesus' name. Just a closer walk with Thee Granted Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be strong Jesus keep me from all wrong I'll be satisfied as long as I walk let me walk close to thee Just a closer walk with Thee Grand Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be This world of toil 
trails and snares If I falter, Lord, who cares? Who with me my burden shares? None but Thee, dear Lord, none but Thee Just a closer walk with Thee Granted, Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be When this feeble life is o'er Time for me will be no more Guide me gently, safely o'er To thy kingdom shore, to thy shore Just a closer walk with thee Jesus is my plea Daily walking close to Thee Let it be, dear Lord, let it be Let it be, dear Lord, let it be Let it be, dear Lord, let it be the Lord, O oh my soul, O oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, O oh my soul, I'll worship Your sun comes up it's a new day dawning it's time to sing your song again whatever may pass and whatever lies before me let me be singing when the Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name. Sing like never before, oh my soul, I'll worship Your holy name. You're rich. Slow to anger Your name is great 
was kind For all your goodness I will keep on singing Ten thousand reasons for my heart to find Bless the Lord, oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship Your failing the end draws near and my time has come still my soul will sing your praise unending ten thousand years and then forever more Lord of my soul His holy name Sing like never before Oh my soul I worship your holy name Bless the Lord Oh my soul Oh my soul Worship His holy name Sing like sovereign and we thank you so much that you are unchanging in changing times you are the rock we can lean on you are all the beauty of the world out of nothing you created everything We lay things at your feet, Lord. All those things that burden us, all those things that trouble us, they're not really ours to carry. I confess, I'm sorry I even tried. We give them to you, the sovereign Lord. You're the one 
that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. sin runs deep your grace is more where grace is found is where you Thank you, Lord. 
We need you and you are there. We give you the rest of this day. Bless the rest of this service. Bless us all as we go through this rest of the day and the rest of the week and the times ahead of us, knowing that, yeah, we need you, and yeah, you are always there. You are mighty, you are holy, you are great, you are everything, and we love you. Jesus, thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Enjoy the rest of the service. God bless you all. Thank you for joining us today. So if you want to open your Bible to Luke chapter 10, verse 38, and you can read along with this passage as we go. So I'll make sure I gave the right passage here. Yeah, Luke 10, 38 to 42. And we're going to play a song right now. And I... And in this song, I want to encourage you to take your communion. If you're taking communion with us today, we're actually going to do it a bit different today. We're going to take some time to turn our eyes to Jesus, to take life at His pace. And then after that song, I'm going to come back and we'll pray and we'll end our service. So let's take a moment to read Luke 10, 38-42. Listen to this song. And if you're comfortable, take communion on your own, drinking and eating with Jesus. Let's listen to the song. Strangely 
Thank you, Jesus, that we can turn our eyes to you, turn our stories over to you, turn our desires over to you, and wait at your feet and hope in you, Jesus. As you take us, perhaps to run and not go weary, perhaps to fly like an eagle, or just to walk and not faint, I pray that you would give us that ability, Lord. We're so grateful for you. We so love what you do for us. And we don't want to push our own way anymore. We want to surrender it to you. And we want to wait well. Because we all have to wait. Help us as a church, as a body, as individuals to wait well. In your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Hello, Willow Park Church. My name is Courtney. Whether you're joining us online or in person, welcome and here's your family news. If you are on our email list, you will have received an invitation to fill out our new church survey. In case you missed it, we hope you will take a few minutes to share your thoughts with us. Filling out this survey is also a good way to get connected in a care group or get more involved at Willow Park Church. Visit our website today at willowparkchurch.com survey. We have a brand new musical theater summer camp for kids age 9 to 15 coming up soon, August 16th to 27th, and there's still some spots available. If your child loves to sing, dance, or act, this is the camp for them. Visit our website to sign up as a camper or as a volunteer at willowparkchurch.com slash theatercamp. Every year, our Lake Country campus has a back-to-school giveaway where we give backpacks, clothing, and more to families in need. This year, the back-to-school giveaway is coming to Kelowna. For the Kelowna event, we invite you to pack a backpack. Please pick up an empty backpack at church this week and fill it with items for a child in need. We're also looking for volunteers for both our Lake Country and Kelowna events. We will need people to help with distributing backpacks and food, parking attendance, and activity attendance. You can sign up to volunteer at willowparkchurch.com volunteer. Hello, Willow Park Church family. This is Pastor Jeremy, and I'm excited to make a big announcement for you today. As you know, for the past 12, 13 years here in Lake Country, we have run the back-to-school giveaway. It's taken place in the foyer and in the gym and outside in our parking lot. It's going to be happening again this year on August 29th, 11 to 1 p.m. here in Lake Country. Last year was such an amazing success in the midst of COVID. In such a tough time, we were able to still provide a way to reach out to our community and their needs in the midst of a hard situation. There were so many great reviews, so many thankful people uh, that were appreciative of what we did. Thank you for making that happen. This event has touched many in this community for the last handful of years. And we've had barbecues, we have had breakfast given away, we have had face painting, we've had haircuts. Most of all, we have given away clothes and backpacks, underwears and socks to help reach this community that's in need. The COVID-19 pandemic has affected a lot of people financially. We see higher gas prices, we see food costs go up, and individuals have lost jobs. Our community here in Kelowna hasn't been immune to this. As a church family, we want to help reach out to those families in need. And with the success of our Lake Country Back to School giveaway, 
What better way to do that than to have a back to school giveaway for our community here in Kelowna? We are excited to announce that August 29th from 12 p.m. to 2 p.m. we are going to have a back to school giveaway here at our Rutland campus to help those individuals and families in need. And we are asking you to come alongside to join us and to help us. Here are a couple ways that you can come help us. Much like the stockings, we are asking you to now fill a backpack. And so on August 1st, August 8th, and August 15th, we're going to have backpacks available at all of our locations. And so we ask you as you leave service or as you enter into service to grab a backpack. And in that backpack is going to be a list. And on that list, there's going to be four things that we definitely need you to buy. We need you to buy water bottles. We need you to buy lunch kits, socks, and snacks for kids at lunchtime. Then you'll see on that list, there's an addition too. And if you feel so inclined, there's, you can buy markers, you can buy notepads, you can buy binders, you can buy highlighters, you can buy a hat, and you can buy uh, pencil kits for people if you feel so inclined. We're going to ask for all those backpacks to come back by August 22nd. And what we're going to do is we're going to unload everything out of that ba- those backpacks. We're going to separate them into sections. And then on August 29th, we're going to have a back-to-school giveaway that's going to bless this community. So individuals can come, they can grab a backpack, then they can pick a water bottle, they can pick their favorite snack, or they can pick their lunch kit that they like. And on top of that, we're going to have a free barbecue, hot dog barbecue for them. We're going to have bouncy castles. We're going to have carnival games. We're going to have clowns there. And it's going to be a great time to bless our community in a way that shows that we are here for them. Just like Jesus was, where he reached out to those nearest to him. We are going to display that through the back to school giveaway. And so... To make that happen, we're going to need you there present on Sunday too. And so I encourage you to sign up at willowparkchurch.com slash volunteer to sign up to help with setup because we're going to need help with setup. To sign up to help with a backpack attendee or help with parking. We are going to need the whole church family to participate in this. And so after church, uh, Rutland here, after it's over at 1130, you can walk out and you can go volunteering to help. For South, this will be your service. And so we highly encourage you to sign up to volunteer as there won't be service on that Sunday, but your service is going to be helping the community of Kelowna. And I can't think of a better way to have service together. And so we're excited to announce the Back to School giveaway. Please join us into making this a huge success. Please take a backpack. Please sign up to help. We need you and we are excited to provide this for those near us those who need it the most. Thank you, Willow Park Church. That's all for your family news. Thanks and enjoy your service. Okay, well, good morning, everybody. It's good to see you all. Thank you so much for coming out. You're all masked up. Look at you following all the rules, aren't you fancy? My name's Glenn, and uh, I am one of the pastors at Willow Park Church, and I get to spend most of my time here at the South. If it is your first time, then uh, we're just so stoked that you you came and joined us. Before I do anything else, though, I need to dismiss the kids, because Courtney is desperate to have... Courtney, who's on screen, everybody turn around and see Courtney at the back... Courtney is our kids director. She's amazing. And all your kids, I don't even know. Yeah, just go. There you go. Bless you. Love you. And uh, parents, you can stay here. Look at the size of that backpack. Did you see that? It's like a parachute. That's amazing. Uh, Brilliant. 
So if it is your first time here with us this morning, then you'll find in the seat pocket right in front of you uh, a blue Connect card. We'd love it if you filled that out. And so the reason is so that we can just spam you incessantly five days a week just until you are sick of us is not the reason why we're doing it. We're very, very careful with the information you give us. The reason is, is this enables us for us to be able to serve you well, and there may be things in the church that you want to know more about. And if you fill that out and put it into, you can either put it in the offering box at the back, along with South Family. If you want to give your offering this morning, it's right back there. But you can put this in there as well. And by just as a thanks for doing so, we've got a giveaway for you that you can take. There's a journal in there, and there's all sorts of nice goodies as well. And uh, that was just by way of saying thank you for coming to the South this morning. Uh, we're really, really happy that you're here. The back-to-school giveaway, you, uh, that, that video was, was great. First of all, there's one little mistake in there. We are having church on uh, at the south that weekend um pastor russ wilson is going to be sharing with us and he's a longtime friend of uh, willow park church always does a brilliant job that is the wedding weekend for the madden household and the ends household yes three weeks on saturday so uh we probably won't be here on the sunday morning not for any bad reason before any rumors are spread just because that's going to be quite the weekend, and so we're taking that Sunday off. But, you know, I was just thinking, why not grab a few of these things? You can take them. There's the list. I'm told that you can buy most of this, if not all of this, from Walmart. And so you can go, and you can do some shopping, and then bring them back. Uh, And so please, I think we've got, I don't know how many we've got. We've got way more than 50. So we are not limited to one backpack per person you can uh, go ahead and take as many as you would like. That would be, uh, that would be wonderful. All right, we're going to uh, turn to the Word of God. As you're doing that, just a couple of little family news items. First of all, got some good news from the Delcourt family this week um, that Hannah's operation on her ankle went really well. So thank you for praying for Hannah. Hannah and Wendy are still in uh, San Francisco. And she sent me a video of Hannah just uh, on a combat bike just going for it like days after her surgery. She's amazing, and so uh, that's good news, but please continue to pray for the Delcourts. Uh, that would be wonderful. Lynn and Laura are now grandparents. They're not here. Oh, I was just going to bless them and embarrass them all at the same time. Uh, it was going to be great, but yes, uh, I don't know what they're going to call themselves. Grandpa, Glampa, Glamma, Glampa. Yeah, that's, that would be very fitting, but uh, Charlotte gave birth to baby Maeve, a little girl, uh, a couple of weeks ago, so that is fantastic. And then uh, we, we were around at the gay uh, family household this week watching John get into the finals of the 3,000-meter steeplechase in the Olympics. I know, like that was just pent-up excitement. I could feel it. Um, it's, just amer- it's just amazing, like phenomenal to watch. It was such an honor to be there with everybody and just watching. I wasn't sure whether to watch John in the race or Brad, kind of his heart racing going on. <laughs> he was so funny. It's just, we love you guys. And John, I don't know if you're going to watch it. I would imagine this is highest priority for you right now. So uh, you're watching, but he's actually runs in the final tomorrow. He broke the Canadian record by more than three seconds and a personal best. I know it's amazing. So, uh, yeah, I just, I just want to tell everybody I baptized him, and I'm going to get to marry him and his lovely wife in a couple of weeks' time as well. So, 
Just saying that had nothing to do with it, I'm sure. But um, just thought I'd throw that in. And then some other good news. You know, we've been looking for a few months now and praying for longer than that about an associate pastor here at the South, just because of the way my role has changed at the church and taking on more responsibility across the network. Um, It was just becoming uh, uh, untenable for me to continue and be alive. So uh, we made a decision to actively look for an associate pastor that could really run with the day-to-day pastoral side of the church. I will still be here. I will still be uh, taking a lead at the South, but just focusing on preaching and teaching and leadership development and all the stuff that I really love to do. I'm very grateful to be able to do that. And so we were been looking for an associate pastor for a few months. And I think I might have shared already, it's actually really difficult uh, finding an associate pastor. There's lots of people out there, lots of great people, but there has to be some kind of connection and some synergy. And we're very much into church renewal and prayer. And, and, uh, and, and so we, we really spent a long time looking. And we had a lot of different applicants. And then a more kind of a different approach started to emerge. And so to jump ahead, we've, uh, we've actually uh, offered the job to a ministry couple who are going to be our associate pastors. And their name is Nick and Jenny. uh, And they're coming from Richmond with their lovely family of boys. And uh, they're going to be joining us. Actually, they've already found a house. They're they're really going for it. Uh, They should be starting the beginning of September. And if you took Nick and Jenny and put their gifting together, you have this ideal associate pastor. It's just a bit different for us as a church, a little bit different for us even as Mennonites. Um, it's quite common in, more, in other denominations to have a ministry couple. Nick and Jenny are a fantastic couple. They've had just innumerable interviews, bless them, and then finally met with a group of uh, South congregation as well. And um, we just, it was just lovely to hear their heart for ministry. So we're going to be introducing them to you by video over the next few weeks. But please pray for Nick and Jenny. Um, I'm very excited. I know that you are going to make them feel welcome because you're amazing. And uh, we're looking forward to that. Oh, questions. Taves, T-O-E-W-S. I think that's how you pronounce it. Taves? We'll figure that out when they come. Sorry, Nick and Jenny. I know you're watching. You can text me. Uh, Yes, so Nick and Jenny uh, will be starting in a few weeks' time. All right. That's all the kind of family news. Grab your Bibles, your apps, your uh, mobile devices. Let's turn to Galatians chapter 5. And uh, I want to read just one verse followed by another verse that expounds the first verse, which is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Very well-known scripture, one that many of us know off by heart. Uh, we were probably made to learn this when we were at Sunday school. And it's, uh, it's a fascinating scripture and one that sometimes we skip over a little bit too quick because it's so familiar. But Galatians chapter 5, verse 22 says this, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And then I want to read from Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 to 7 as well. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. 
So this morning, what I want to focus on just for a few minutes is really how do we find this supernatural peace of God in a culture that seems to be geared against, uh, uh, towards stealing it all the time? How do we find that peace in the midst of a really challenging world and culture that we live in? So a few years ago, I was invited to uh, go and speak at a camp, and there was a time probably about 15 years ago now, where it, I was traveling and doing a lot of speaking at different camps. Uh, so I would be away two or three weekends of every month and, uh, and most of the summer. That's, that's kind of, in fact, Jack and Jason, I don't know if they're here this morning, but they uh, sent me a picture a few weeks ago of, uh, of me, oh, I look so young, uh, preaching at a camp in 2005 for their church when they were uh, youth or young adults in their church. It was kind of cool. That, that's part of what I did for many years. And I remember distinctly, and I can't remember the camp itself, which is probably just as well for reasons you're going to find out in a minute, but I remember arriving at the camp, and I, do, I always do my research. I'd never been to this camp. I think it was on the island. That's as far as I got, so, tr- so maybe you'll know the place. But I remember it being a beautiful setting, and, and because you're going to be away for the weekend, you always want to find out, do I need to bring, as a speaker, do I need to bring a sleeping bag, a pillow? Because, you know, there's been times I've preached at camps, and it's just camping. That's great. But you need to know ahead of time. You have expectations in your mind as to what things are going to be based on your research. And they said, no, we've got a beautiful speaker's cabin. It's going to be great. You'll just feel really at home. And I'm like, oh, speaker's cabin. Your heart starts to get excited. You've got visions of rocking chairs on verandas and, you know, just beautiful log cabins in the Canadian. If that's what was going through my mind. This is going to be amazing. And then I arrived. And I opened the door to the speaker's cabin. There was actually more like a cell. It was about the same size as what I would imagine a cell would be. And there was a bed that had springs on it, which shows you how old it is, with no mattress and a wooden chair. That was it. That was the whole room, apart from one little addition that I was so blessed to have. Just like a plague's worth of mosquitoes just filled this room everywhere I looked. And thankfully, the person before had killed some of them because I could tell by the red marks on the wall that they'd done a decent job but hadn't got them all. And so my heart sank. My expectation was so quickly dashed. I went to the camp leader and I said, hey, thanks for the room. Inside, I'm going, thanks a lot, pal. Can, I, need, I need a pillow, I need a sleeping bag, a mattress would be great. I don't know, if you've got that, that would be fine, and, and that's all I need. And, and bless them, they did run around, there were some mistakes and whatever, but I found that. And then I spent the next two days just killing mosquitoes, leaving more red marks all over the wall. My expectation was high. The reality was low. It is so important that we get our expectations right as to what we are going to face in this world. I remember a couple of years ago, we went to a Canada place to, at, uh, on Canada Day to watch the fireworks. It was amazing. And Zoe, you remember it well, I know, because the crowds were just tight. You were jostled around. I remember Zoe not liking that moment. And, uh, because, but I kind of went expecting to be pushed around a bit. But if that same pushing around happened when I'm going for a nice walk down Mission Creek and some person just comes running up to me and 
bashes me out of the way and carries on running, I'm going to feel a bit affronted. That is not my expectation. I expect a nice area that I would call my own and not to be pushed around. I expected not to have a room full of mosquitoes. My expectations were up here. The reality was down here. But if I'd had my expectations, look, Glenn, it's not a speaker's cabin. It's pretty poor. That's fine. I know what to expect. I think that as Christians... We get surprised in life because we have the wrong expectations. And the reality is so different. Have you seen the, uh, the, the, the thing? It was going around um, the internet a couple of years ago, the nailed it thing. How many of you know what I mean when I say nailed it? Okay. All right. You're young at heart. God bless you. Let me show you what nailed it means. It's expectations versus reality. This is what it's meant to look like. This is what it ends up looking like. I love this. I got on a sidetrack so quickly in my sermon prep when I started researching this. I'm laughing so hard because this... (laughs) I just love this. Okay, this I'm going to show you my favorite in just a second. This next one's pretty good, though. Um, Nailed it. Expectation versus... Poor kid. Happy birthday, Isan. I don't know who got this one, but God bless him. This is my favorite, though. <laughs> the Groucho Marx beaver, I don't know. Are those Tic Tacs? I showed that to somebody. They wondered whether it was actually drugs. I was like, well, I think the person who made it certainly was on drugs. But expectation reality is so different. If you go into, you know, expecting something that is of this quality, you're not going to get surprised. C.S. Lewis said this, if you think of this world as a place simply intended simply for our happiness, Christian friend, you will find it quite intolerable. Our expectations as Christians need to be clear. You need to understand that we have enemies. You need to understand that Christianity is not about skipping through a meadow full of roses. If you came to Jesus, or if you remember going to a camp, and the speaker there just sowed you this kind of tale, that if you give your life to Jesus, everything is going to just be great, I'm sorry you were sowed a lie, because that is not what Jesus said. Jesus actually said the absolute opposite. We need to have an expectation of the reality of mosquitoes and being pushed around. You see, if we believe that life is geared towards our comfort and happiness, that when the pushing around and when the mosquitoes, figuratively speaking, arrive, our peace disappears, we get upset, and anxiety follows. That's at best. At worst, we start hating God and blaming Him for it. That somehow He has let the side down. Hey, God, I did you a favor by coming to know you, coming to church and giving my life to you. I do you a favor by going to church a couple of times a month. What's going on? What's going on in my world? What's going on in my life? This is not what I signed up for. And we disappear. Then, as Christians, we get upset and anxious because we're upset and anxious. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I'm sure you'd raise your hand and say, you know that when you do get upset and anxious... That now you're not only upset and anxious about the thing that's making you upset and anxious, you're now upset and anxious because you're upset and anxious because you know that you shouldn't be this way. (gasps) Am I right? You get annoyed at yourself for being annoyed. Somebody cuts you off in traffic and you do something you shouldn't be doing. 
in that moment by show of hands? Not that kind of hands. Maybe there's, a, there's something that happens, an expletive comes out, you, you just get super mad, and then a minute later you're like, oh, that's, now I'm upset for being upset. But there's a better way. There is a better way. Because if you look right back in the New Testament when the church was just starting to be birthed, there was this movement called The Way. It was actually called The Way. Christians weren't called Christians. They were called The Way. The Way developed in Acts. Christians, this movement of Jesus followers, started to grow in strength. And remarkable things started happening in society in no small part because of the way they responded in the midst of extreme Uh, circumstantial problem and challenge. They were being persecuted, killed. They were having been taken away. And yet in the middle of it, somehow they still managed to change the world because they responded in a way that was supernatural. Look at this, just one verse. Literally, you could choose so many different verses in Acts. And when they could not find them, They dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. They turned the world upside down in the middle of a world that was shaking. They were being persecuted and threatened on every count, and yet they were still turning the world upside down. You see, that is how... The Roman world, and those of you who know a little bit about history, the Romans were very good at what they did, which is taking over civilizations by force and fear. They were extremely good at it, and yet the Roman civilization had no answer to these peace-filled, power-filled, supernatural Christians who were out adopting kids, caring for one another, loving one another, loving their culture, telling people about Jesus. The whole of that world was turned upside down. That's why Paul, in the midst of it, said, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. What do you do to somebody... Mr. Roman, what do you do to somebody who says, listen, you, you let me live, I'm going to tell more people about Jesus. You let me die, great, I get to meet him. What do you do to somebody like that? How do you, it's, it's literal this joy that Luke did a great job of talking about last week, this buoyancy in life. You just cannot push them down. They keep on popping up. You ain't going to get rid of somebody who has that supernatural peace. And Christian friend, you have that as a gift given to you when you are filled with the Spirit and you come to know Jesus Christ. You are given that ability to live life with buoyancy. You were created and designed to have life press you down, yes, but you're always going to bounce up. It doesn't mean to say that you walk around with a giddy smile on your face all the time like some idiot, but there's an internal buoyancy. What do you do to people like that? To Paul, it's like, let me live, great. Let me die, great. I mean, how do you get rid of somebody like that? That's yours and mine as a Christian to enjoy. That's what turned the world upside down. But we need to expect that the world shakes. We need to have the right expectations of the culture that we live in. So let me me just dig into this a little minute. Before you're a Christian, you have one enemy. One enemy. And this might surprise you as to who that enemy is. Before you're a Christian, your only true enemy is God himself. Let me say that again just so you remember it. Before you're a Christian, your only true enemy is God himself. For since 
Our friendship with God was restored by the death of his son while we were still his enemies. You can find scripture upon scripture upon scripture that if you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, if you are not a Christian, then you have one enemy and his name is God. Because what is interesting about this though is that you are the one that declared war against him. He never declared war against you. We as humanity declared war against him by taking him off the throne and replacing him by us. We declared war against the most loving, pursuing, wooing, patient, merciful, and loving enemy that you can find. That this enemy that we created, that if you are not a Christian, you have an enemy. His name is God, and you have declared war against him by constantly pushing against what is very best for you, which is a relationship with him. You declared war on him. I'm not a, uh, I, I'm not a lifesaver in terms of, uh, of, of swimming. I know you can take a life-saving award or certificates. I think it's really cool. I know that many of you have. It's, it's amazing. I'm a, I'm a strong swimmer, but I, I, other than jumping in and trying to help somebody if they were drowning, I know there's certain techniques and certain ways of doing that. And I know one of the things that in their training that you need to expect is that when you come to somebody who's drowning, they're going to fight you. They're going to fight you, which is really odd, isn't it? But it's the panic of drowning, apparently. The adrenaline surges as a panic, and they just start clambering. And so you can drown as you are trying to save somebody who's drowning. And so they're fighting the person who's trying to save them. Fighting the person who's trying to save them. That is what it's like being an enemy of God. You are fighting the person who's trying to save you. And here's the bizarre thing about somebody who's drowning in life, if you want to use that metaphor, is while we're drowning in life and life just seems to be swashing over us and we think that we're swimming and we're not, we're just drowning, that we then try and save other people who are drowning. That's the odd thing. Do you know who make really, really bad swimming lifesavers? People who are drowning. And yet our culture is filled with people who are drowning, trying to save people who are drowning. Jesus put it another way, blind leading the blind. Jesus, God, is the one who truly saves, who can truly redeem, who can truly flood our lives with peace and hope and love and that beautiful list we read. And yet we fight it. God is your enemy if you're not a Christian. But the second that you become a friend of God, you get a whole host of other enemies. (laughs) So that's good news, isn't it? You replace God with a culture. You replace God with a devil. You replace God with a sense of self that continually tries to replace God on the throne of your life. Just take one of those. Let's just think about our post-Christian culture. Everything in our culture is pushing against Christianity. And I say that with, without really giving it due Uh, do emphasis. I mean, that is just putting it lightly. Our post-Christian culture is against Christianity. Christianity has moved from being respected to disrespected. And I I shared this, uh, this, this, what I'm about to show you a few months ago, but it hasn't changed. Personal faith is welcome, but expressing our convictions or espousing ideas as truth in public is uncouth at best and often taken as coercive, intolerant, or even threatening. That's the world we live in. 
We live in a world where doors shut, minds close, attacks increase, and hatred ramps up the second you say you're a Christian. That the world of inclusivity is incredibly exclusive. The world that is tolerant is incredibly intolerant towards Christians. Whether you're at school or you're at work or whether you're in your family or in your neighborhood, Christianity is no longer respected. And friends, can we just say right from the offset, Christian friends, what do you expect? You can be as horrified and <gasps> as you want. That is what we need to just expect. Can we just stop complaining about it? Can we just accept it, that this is the reality? And can I tell you, it's going to get worse until Jesus comes back. So the quicker we just expect it and not get shocked when something happens, the better. Because what we can do is take our attention off the thing and put it on to Jesus. See, our culture is against us. Hatred is against us. The very thing that we are accused of comes back to us a hundredfold. And so that is the reality. That is what we come to expect. The world is full of mosquitoes and we're going to get pushed around. We just are. We need to be grateful that we're not actually living in other parts of the world where we could lose our lives. The most that we could do, maybe, is maybe lose this building. Maybe we lose some friends. Maybe we lose a voice. We don't lose our lives. And yet there are Christians in this world still today. There are more martyrs in our world now than there has ever been before for the faith of Jesus Christ. So if we have an expectation of what the world is like, we also need to have an expectation of what we have been given. So in the midst of all this, rejoice. (laughs) Let's not complain about it. Let's just rejoice about it. If you've not got somebody in your world who hates you, because of your faith in Jesus Christ, and they may not even be able to put words together as to why they don't like you, but you've probably got the wrong friends. You need to have people in, the, in, your, in your world that just find your Christian faith difficult. If you don't, then find them, because that is part of our responsibility as a Christian, is to turn the world upside down by showing them Jesus, but we should rejoice in the Lord always, the Bible says. Again, I say, rejoice. Philippians 4.4. Then that verse that we read right at the beginning. Let your reasonableness. So, doesn't say protesting, arguing, yelling at people, getting angry with people. It doesn't say any of that. It actually says, look, just be reasonable. You've got your expectations right. Let's just focus on what we've been given, which is an ability to love the unlovable sometimes to care for people that we ordinarily wouldn't want to care for if we were just left to our own resources. We have an ability to take peace and love and joy and patience and kindness and gentleness and self-control into a world that desperately needs it. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God and the peace of God which surpasses all understanding. This is what people can't wrap their heads around because you're not going to indigo and get in the latest book about mindfulness to try and find your peace. You're not going to go out and hug the nearest tree or rub a crystal or go into a certain yoga position or do more of this or do more of that. Your peace that is beyond understanding is because it's beyond all understanding because it's a supernatural peace. You cannot find it on this planet. You can only find it in God. And there are millions, potentially billions of people that have gone before us that we can point to and say, look, see, it works. 
this peace beyond understanding. What is this peace? I think one of the best um, descriptors of what peace is was this. Confidence and trust in God's perfect and wise counsel of your life. Let me say it again. Peace is confidence and trust in God's perfect and wise counsel. Uh, sorry, control of your life. We have problems with that. We can go, mm-hmm, praise the Lord. Yes. We can. We can just go, wow, that's just, I, you know what, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt, I'm going to put it on a mug. That is exactly how I live my life. But there's one word in here that we really struggle with. Really struggle with. We're good all the way here. Yes, amen, 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 amen. Ooh. Control? Really? The reality is we live in a culture that we want to be in control of our own destiny without actually having any control at all. We con ourselves into thinking that we actually do have control. And I've said this so many times because so many of you resonate with this. It only takes one phone call or one visit to a doctor to remind you that you have no control of your life at all. That you might feel big and suddenly feel very, very small when life slams into you with such force it takes your breath away. It just takes one visit. A visit that you can't actually remember what the doctor said to you because as soon as you said the C word, everything else is a blank. Suddenly we're reminded that even though we have a culture that tells you you are the king and queen of your own life, the reality is is that we are not. So we can say as much as we want, but the reality of life reminds us that actually we have no control of our life at all. And the sooner that we realize that God is on the throne, actually those things, those moments that remind us how we're not in control become smaller as we place God on the throne where he truly belongs. See, peace comes when we understand that we should not be on the throne of our lives. Because the second you place God on the throne of your life, then it becomes for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. If you have yourself on the throne of your life, for me is to live as me and to die is the worst thing ever. For me to live is me. is where the culture is. For me to live is Christ. And so suddenly, not only do we have a cultural enemy, but we have an enemy of self. Because now we have to really fight. And there's nothing wrong with thinking about working towards this. Philippians says that we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Not work for, work out. Part of the working out, part of the working, is to keep God on the throne where he truly belongs. Because it's truly the most joyful and peaceful place for you to live. That when you place yourself below that is where there is peace and joy. Ezekiel talks about how we make idols of the heart. That we take good things essentially and they become idols because we make them ultimate things. We worship them, we place them on the throne of our lives. And while we have anything other than Jesus or God on the throne of our lives, then the whole of life will cause us to shake and anxiety floods in. I've used this illustration a number of times and somebody reminded me of it the other day. So I think for those of you who are new, I think this is a helpful way of looking at it. Think of it in this way. Is that life is all about a closed fist or an open hand. You can close your fist around. In other words, you can make an idol of, you can make it ultimate, any number of good things, your job, your kids, your family, your house, your car. There's nothing wrong with any of these things, by the way. These are all good things. Maybe it's your future, your grades, your school, the school you have to go to, otherwise the world is going to come to an end. 
I've got to get to this university, otherwise nobody's going to think that I'm worthy. That could be in there. Anything at all can go into this closed fist. And this closed fist is communicating, look God, you can have anything, but not this. So what we do is we hold God with an open hand and we have life with a closed fist, whereas it should be the other way around. Because the tighter we close, we say, this is our non-negotiable, this is now our negotiable. Whereas before, life is our non-negotiable. You can't take this away, because if you take this away, you hate me. You don't love me. This is what life is about. Literally anything in life can become an idol of the heart. Anything at all. And the second we close our hand around it, your possessions, your position, your, the people in your life, the influence you have, your retirement, whatever it might be, I've got to have this. While holding an open hand with God is a place of sin, you will never experience peace. Never. And here's why. The second one of these shake, you shake. The second one of these goes in a direction that you don't like, your whole world shakes. It could be your health. It could be your fitness. It could be your looks. It could be your activities. It could be your leisure. It could be your hobbies. It could be anything at all. It could be your gaming. It could be anything. If the internet goes down, how am I going to live? These are all indicators like your peace and your anxiety goes up the tighter hold you have on life. The scripture actually talks about it in this way. These enslave you. Wherever they go, you go. Let's just choose one, our kids. Now, we have been called as parents to teach our kids to thrive, but we're to hold them with an open hand, present them towards the Lord. Our hand is still there. I don't mean like, oh, hands off. Our hand is still there, but we hold them with an open hand because kids are going to be kids. If you've got a closed fist that your kids have to do this, we must be this, we've got to do this, the second they don't, our lives collapse. Been there. I've been there. To live life with an open hand on every aspect of your life is where peace gets floods in because now you've got God on the throne of your life. Now, I might be being a bit hopeful saying it's this because for some, God's not even in our hands. We just pick him up every now and again when it's helpful. You see, this is what, why it doesn't create peace in our life. So this open and closed hand is so, so important. It's actually a good check. Do we have an open hand on this or do we have a closed fist on this? We, we need to buy this. Is this a closed hand or an open hand? You can actually filter through. Where is anxiety born? Anxiety actually is the opposite of peace. Look, it says it in verses 6 or 7. Do not be anxious about anything... Uh, but in everything by prayer and supplication with the thanksgiving, let your requests be named to God and the peace of God. So if you're not anxious, you're going to have peace of God. If you have peace of God in your life, you're not going to have anxiety. Now, I'm not talking about chemical or medical anxiety. I'm talking about the anxiety that we all experience when it feels like life is shaking. But you see, the more that we have God on the throne of our lives and our hands open, our anxiety reduces. So take relationships. How do you hold, like, if this person in your life is close, I've got to have this person. My life is not worth living unless I have. Then those are indicators that actually if something ever, this person will let you down one day. 
One of the things that is challenging as a pastor is we often hear people moving from church to church because their kids, oftentimes like this, are not being served well by the church. Can I just say very declaratively and very truthfully, it's not the church's responsibility to bring up kids. It's the church's responsibility to teach the parents to love Jesus more than the kids. Then the kids actually get brought up in a way, and they still might stray. But to move like, okay, we're going to go to this kid's activity at this church because they have bigger inflatables. We're going to stay there for a bit. Or I'm going to, actually, they have better music over here. Let's go. What you're doing is you're communicating something. You're placing higher value on stuff that ultimately will not bring your kids peace. Well, keep loving. The number one parenting class that I encourage parents to go to, the number one is love Jesus more than you love your kids. If you do that, mom, dad, then you are a long way towards actually having your kids follow in your steps and ultimately towards Jesus. Open hand, closed hand. The opposite of peace is anxiety. Because if something happens, what happens if it's taken away? How will it affect me? This word anxiety is really interesting. It literally means to be in pieces. If you dig into it more, Jesus actually explains it really, really well. It's about trying to keep your mind and attention on too many things. Some of you might be there right now. So the opposite of anxiety, peace, maintaining peace is about maintaining your focus on one thing. Do you remember the story of Mary and Martha, the two sisters? And they, um, one of them is running around, and, uh, and Martha's running around. She's trying to, and Jesus actually says, Martha, Martha, you are anxious, same word, about many things. But one thing your sister has chosen, one thing is necessary. Keep your attention on one thing. If you keep your attention on one thing, and what is that one thing? Jesus says... Jesus himself, your anxiety is going to reduce. You're going to take your attention off the many and place your attention on the one, and there you will find peace. Mary is single-minded and finds peace in it. Our focus in life, if you want to find peace, our focus in life must be, first and foremost, put God on the throne of your life. He is in control. Expect challenge. Expect problems. But to place our attention on Jesus, He is the one. He is the one thing that you need to place your attention on. You know, as we think about next steps for us as a church here, not Willow Park as a whole, one of the things that we are wondering about is where we're going to call home. As many of you know, we've been, uh, we've been in conversation with the school district, and they want to turn this building back into a school, and they have every right to do that. We've been very grateful that we've been able to have a lease for almost 20 years to enjoy this retrofitted school, uh, school into a church, and we love that. But as I have said, if we make this our many things, when this many thing, if we have a closed fist around this building, and it shakes, then we shake. Whereas actually, if we place our attention upon Jesus and we say, well, let's just remember that God is on the throne. We can expect challenge. We know this is going to come. What is that he's saying in the midst of this? Let's keep him on the throne. Then anxiety reduces. 
Anxiety reduces. And so I don't know what the next steps are. We might just be here, and we just might be setting up every Sunday morning and tearing down, and that's fine. But whatever our next step is, keep our attention on Jesus and the anxiety reduces. Look, Jesus said it himself. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious. Do not be anxious. He's, if he didn't say, if this wasn't something kind of in our control, he wouldn't be asking us to do something. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look what he says next. Look. Put your attention on. Take your attention off all the stuff in life. Place your attention on what? The ability of God to look after you, the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. He is on the throne. He is in control. He knows best. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span or her span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider. You ever noticed that before? Take your attention off all the stuff. Look. Consider. Consider what? The lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. God is on his throne. You are one of his kids. You have the peace of God living and resonant in your life. Take your attention off all the things. Place and consider. Look at who God is. So I think it's safe to say that if there's something causing you anxiety, take away its power by shifting your attention off it and placing it upon Jesus. Isn't that good? You should be writing that. Heads down should be writing that down. That's really good. Is something causing you anxiety? Ask yourself, is it because you've got a closed fist around it? Is it like, I have to have this? That anxiety, like, do you actually feel, as you think about it, in this second, anxiety rising at the thought of not having this? Because that's a point of confession. What I have, I just got to have this. And, you know, it's just got to be perfect. If it's not perfect, anxiety starts rising. That is a beautiful whisper from the Holy Spirit saying, that is an idol. That is an idol. And so place your attention away from this and actually on God. And as you do this, actually I did it the other way around, didn't I? As you take your attention off this and place it on God, Peace will rise. Jesus said it. Paul said it. If it's good enough for Jesus, it's good enough for me. It's good enough for us. Place our attention on Jesus. Take away its power. So I'm going to finish there. Because I feel like this is one sermon where we can actually easily preach it to ourselves. Because we know our anxieties. We know our struggles. We know our places where we have a closed fist. And so we're going to spend a little bit of time in worship. And what I want you to do is I want you to remember we are in a fight. We are in a battle. But often that battle starts in here. And maybe as we worship, we're going to... Uh, guys, you can come on up. We're going to... We're going to take, I want to encourage you to take moments to actually pray and consider. As you quieten your mind and your heart, let's do it right now. Let's close our eyes. Even at home, if you're watching this online, let's just close your eyes. 
Lord Jesus, I pray just in these next few moments that you would reveal to us what areas of our lives we have a closed hand around. Things in our lives, Lord, that we have made ultimate. Things on the throne of our lives that we are worshiping. Lord, I just pray right now that you would just quietly whisper and reveal what they are to us. Thank you, Jesus. So now, friend, you may have something in your mind that you just know has become ultimate to you. Lord Jesus, as we as we have these thoughts that kind of swirling around in our hearts and our minds, Lord, we confess that we try to control things, we try to hold on to things. We confess, Lord, that we so quickly replace you with things of the world. Thank you for these things, Lord. We thank you for the blessings, the things that you give us. But, Lord, I pray you would guard us from making them ultimate things. So, Lord, I pray now for everyone at home and everyone who can hear me in this room. Lord, we would just enter into a time of praise and worship and as we do so, that Lord, that you would minister to us. The Holy Spirit, you would fill us. That King Jesus, you would be on the throne of our lives where you rightfully belong. Lord, I pray for peace beyond understanding to flood in, for anxiety to reduce. Guard us from controlling circumstances, believing that somehow we're in control. Thank you, God, that you are on the throne. Thank you, God, that when it comes to our health, you are on the throne. When it comes to our kids, you are on the throne. When it, Lord, comes to our livelihoods and our businesses and our finances, you are on the throne. Thank you, Jesus, when it comes to this church, this building, the future, you are on the throne. For our neighbors, for our houses, our possessions, our positions, you are on the throne. Thank you, God, that you are in control. You are the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning to the end, that you see all in all. You know all. God, I pray we would find peace and joy in that truth. If you've been watching online, thank you so much for doing so. And we love you. We miss seeing you here. Pray you have a wonderful week. And we'll see you at 9 and 11 a.m. next week. God bless.